Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Barber, are you with us? I am. Ms. Curtis? I'm here. Thank you. Great. Case number 19-3337, Amber Cross versus Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security Administration. Okay, Mr. Barber. Thank you, members of the court. My name is Terry Barber, and I represent Amber Krause. Uh, she's the appellant in this case, and in 2014, she filed an application for disability insurance benefits and SSI. Uh, there were a couple of uh, turndowns of her application administratively. Um, she requested a hearing, which uh, took place before... Uh, Administrative Law Judge uh, Laners in 2017. Um, Judge Laners determined uh, that she was not eligible, and that's what uh, uh, brought us to the district court, uh, where the magistrate agreed with Judge Laners, which in turn brought us to this court. The uh, evidence that was before uh, Judge Laners was uh, consisted of the testimony of the applicant. Amber testified about uh, the respiratory issues that she had and other challenges. Uh, she testified about the course of medications that she had been taking, uh, about her work history, and identified her primary providers who were Dr. Kinberg and Dr. Duffy. Dr. Kinberg was the um, uh, physician that was treating her for allergies and asthma. Uh, Dr. Duffy was working with her with respect to her uh, mental health. Uh, based on the testimony of Ms. Krause at that hearing, there were a number of questions put to the vocational rehabilitation counselor, the expert that, that was there uh, by the name of Holly Neal. Uh, and as uh, the uh, facts of her situation were proposed to the expert, uh, the end result was given all of the uh, conditions that she suffered from and the requirements of those uh, that there, there wasn't available work. Nonetheless, uh, and this really gets to the core issue, the uh, administrative law judge and subsequently the magistrate judge uh, determined that the opinions of Dr. Kinberg and the opinions of Dr. Duffy uh, were not entitled to the ordinary uh, deference that is accorded to uh, the actually uh, treating uh, health care providers in cases of this sort. Uh, they in, instead, uh, what was given uh, weight were the opinions of uh, physicians who had simply done records reviews. Um, and well, did the one doctor just check a box, counsel? Doctor uh, Duffy. Duffy, yeah. He, he he did. Yes, that's that's correct. <clears throat> and it was it was. Um, in the ordinary course of the treatment and the and the documentation uh, that that was done, it was not it was not a staged uh, uh, and formal opinion. Uh, 
um, but it was it was clear in its import. And uh, well, that, that's watch- perhaps. But what about our line of cases that say mere conclusory opinions without sufficient explanation or evidence in the record to sustain to sustain that conclusion uh, can be given uh, uh, little weight or even disregarded by the ALJ. Well, with, with respect to that proposition, uh, I think we have to keep in mind that there were extensive records uh, from both Dr. Ducky, Duffy and Dr. Kinberg in the record, uh, and, and a course of treatment demonstrated in the record that provided the basis in each instance for their respective opinions with respect to Amber's ability to, to, to work. Well, don't, don't Dr. Duffy's notes show a substantial and continued improvement in memory, concentration, sleep, mood, and physical health, if you just read them? That's, that's true, but, but uh, we believe that the records of Dr. Duffy also demonstrate the course of medications that, that Amber required to maintain that, and uh, uh, that the record also demonstrates, because she testified about it, number one, and she, she provided the current prescriptions to the administrative law judge, that that, that course of treatment was, uh, uh, and, and the medications were responsible for the improvement and, and uh, uh, sustaining her. Uh, I don't think that that detracts from the fact that even given the fact that she was stabilized by the medications, in Dr. Duffy's opinion, uh, she was not in a position to to uh, uh, to be working. Uh, and and I think similarly, the the same reasoning applies to Dr. Kinberg's opinion. Uh, well, since it's your time short, let me focus you on what what I what you need to explain to me. The, his notes say she had fairly good control of asthma and, again, improvements on shortness of breath, wheezing, and all this stuff, uh, th- these symptoms. I don't mean to denigrate it. Uh, so please uh, please tell me how that doesn't apply. Well, the uh, I think one of the things that we need to think about in this case is the Simply because something is under control with a course of treatment with medications uh, doesn't necessarily put somebody out of the woods uh, in terms of their ability to, to function. Uh, one of the things that, that Amber testified about was uh, how frequently she needed to turn to the nebulizer treatments and the medications in order to get through particular episodes. Before, and, before we before we go on to that, because I think that goes to the basically the uh, vocational expert opinions, I'm really still looking at Dr. Kinsberg. He never does actually um, explain how her medical conditions are impacting her ability to work and why she can't work. I mean, you know, so all we're left with is his description of symptoms and his descriptions that, that she's doing better, making progress. And, and his description that, in his opinion, as a matter of fact, uh, she's impeded from being able to work. Yes, that, but, but no basis is given for that opinion. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say how his medical conditions, how her medical conditions are impacting her ability to work. There's no there's nexus there. Judge, I think the nexus is that the prescriptions are current. 
Uh, it is part of her regimen, her daily regimen, and that's demonstrated in the record. A and you do have to connect dots. We aren't dealing here with opinions given either by Dr. Kinberg or Dr. Duffy that are uh, specifically a, a recognized structure of opinion in the way that the opinions of the record reviewers were. Uh, these are, uh, are, are uh, records and opinions in the course of treatment. Nothing about them that's, that's staged or that indicates any scandal. Counselor, you're into your rebuttal, so you know. Okay, very good. And nothing, nothing that indicates any of the triggers, I guess I would say, of, of several of the cases that were uh, cited in response uh, by the appellee. I'll reserve the rest for rebuttal. You certainly may. Uh, Ms. Curtis. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court. My name is Kizu Wanda Curtis, and I represent Andrew Saul, the Commissioner of Social Security. Ms. Krauss has the burden of proving her residual functional capacity, or RFC. However, her skeletal arguments do not meet her burden of showing that additional limitations were required in the ALJ's RFC finding. To add any substance to plaintiff's bare-bones arguments would require this court to re-weigh the evidence, which it cannot do. The administrative oh, law maybe judge... That's not quite, maybe that's not quite accurate, though, because the vocational uh, expert um, did, in fact, find that uh, um, if there were uh, a need to have uh, uh, a 25-minute uh, break one to three uh, times a week, that there would not be... Uh, jobs in the uh, economy in significant numbers because it would be an accommodating job. And the ALJ never really explains why they put hypothetical two to the to the vocational expert and then why they just completely ignored it. You know, he doesn't make a find the, the ALJ doesn't make a credibility determination saying I find that incredible. Doesn't make a credibility determination that says I think that that. Uh, that that one to three that he interposed is a pretend thing that he just made up. I mean, and so there's no real explanation for it. So you don't, I mean, that is the piece that's just kind of, I mean, you look at substantial evidence in the record and a failure to connect the dots and all that happy stuff. I mean, I could see where you're coming from all the way up to the point where, well, what about this hypothetical that the ALJ obviously thought was supported by the facts in the record, and then he got an answer he didn't like, and doesn't bother to explain why it why it doesn't stand. Your Honor, you're correct. The ALJ did pose that hypothetical to the vocational expert, and he did so in consideration of Ms. Krause's subjective allegations. However, when he compared her allegations to the record evidence, he was not able to accept the vocational expert with respect to the limitations that were posed in that hypothetical. And thus, it did not play a role in his ultimate RFC finding, which he based on the record as a whole. I'd feel um, a lot better if he actually said that. Yes. <laughs> with respect to the evidence that he did well, consider, let me, let, me, did... let me follow up. Let me follow up, and I reached over to get the files. Uh, what's the closest the ALJ comes to doing it or not doing it? Well, the ALJ, to start, he's not bound by hypotheticals that ultimately he determines to not reflect or accurately reflect the limitations that yeah, are supported Yeah, I can agree with record. you on that. But what's the closest? I've got it here in front of me, 13 pages. Uh, 
and, and tell me the closest he comes. Uh, it is a he, yeah, Ron. Uh, yes. Tell me the closest that, that he comes to, to uh, saying, uh, we can't go with the, uh, I think it's the second hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Well, at, at step five, um, uh, well, the right. ultimate hypothetical that he accepted was reflected, was mirrored his RFC finding to start. And so that shows you that that second hypothetical he did not find supported by the evidence, and he discussed in his RFC analysis the evidence that supported the RFC, which mirrored the hypothetical that he presented to the VE and ultimately relied on to determine that there were jobs in significant numbers that Ms. Krauss could perform. Okay, so you and say it's in the conclusions on page 12? Well, it's there. It's the in, at step five. Of his decision. Yeah, that's where I am. He did, Go ahead. He, he, he did discuss that um, with respect to the hypotheticals that he posed, um, it was determined that she could perform um, certain other jobs um, that fit his first hypothetical. And then also the so RFC. In the penumbras here? I'm sorry? Your well, Honor? here's the thing. It seems to me like you've got a penumbra argument that because he explains. Uh, the first hypothetical and says little about the second hypothetical right. that we should find in the penumbras that he rejected the factual underpinnings of that second hypothetical. Right, and the factual underpinnings that gave him reason to reject that second hypothetical were in his RFC analysis where he discussed that contemporaneous medical medical records, despite her, her maybe being prescribed albuterol treatments for up to every four hours, there was no indication in the evidence that she actually required treatment this often. For example, in 2014... Well, he kind of rejected that in his hypothetical, and then he said one to three times a week. Which, yes. that does, I mean, that's a little closer to what's in the record. Yes, that's, that's a, a little clo closer to what um, Ms. Krause actually alleged. Mm -hmm. Because she alleged, um, I believe the record shows, she alleged having to use... Um, her treatments up to um, two two times a day is what I saw, um, and that was at a December 2014 consult consultative evaluation where she said, and you will note that she said her attacks were getting worse, yet she was only using her treatments twice a day with them getting worse, which argues against any assertion that this hypothetical, even the one that the ALJ posed, along with her subjective allegations, were actually supported by the record. And there was also other evidence showing that Dr. Dr. Kimberg, in July 2014, Ms. Um, Krause was only taking a single puff of Advair tw twice a day and one puff of Spiriva daily. And otherwise, you know, she just used her medications on an as-needed basis. And as, as the judges pointed out, um, she had conservative treatment and normal findings in diagnostic tests over the course of her treatment, which also argues against accepting the first hypothetical, or I'm sorry, the second hypothetical that the ALJ posed. And um, so the ALJ wasn't bound by the limitations reflected in that second hypothetical. And in going back to the opinions of Drs. Kimberg and Duffy as Judge Benton pointed out Dr. Duffy's statements consisted of checkbox insurance forms, and Dr. Kimberg, he also had an opinion where he did 
essentially listed her symptoms and medications and then said she can't work on a regular basis. But as Judge Erickson pointed out, this, as far as whether or not a, a plaintiff can work, that's a legal conclusion, and it's not due any, any, any significant deference when an ALJ considers such a statement. But to the extent that the sources were purporting to offer an opinion, um, they did not explain the reasons for their opinion that she couldn't work, and their own records argue against their statements that she couldn't work. As already stated, she had normal examinations over the course of her treatment. For instance, in April 2014, she had spirometry testing that was normal, and she also had an examination in September 2014 where she um, was able to, um, where she showed that she had essentially normal lung function. And overall, her course of treatment shows that she improved with conservative treatments with her only having follow-up appointments on a six-month schedule. And in addition to that, the ALJ considered her, acti her activities of daily living, which included doing light chores, she played games on Facebook, watched a variety of television shows throughout the day, she went to church, she spent time with her friends, and in addition to doing other things. And you will also note that Ms. Krause's alleged or onset date of January 2014 corresponds to the date she was let go from her job, not, it isn't tied to any complications from any alleged disabling conditions. And so all of this evidence goes against her claim. And Does the record um, show why she was let go? She was let go because her hours were cut back. They didn't need her for the number of hours, so she was let go. And that's on page 538 of the record. And with regard to Dr. Duffy's statements, again, there was not significant findings to show that she had a mental condition that warranted his conclusion that she could not work. Um, over the course, she had normal examinations over the course. And so in cases such as this, the ALJ rightfully considered the opinions of the state agency experts in concluding that that Ms. Krause was able to form work. And you will note that the ALJ even reduced the limitations that because the state agency medical consultants restricted her to work at all exertion limitations, but he reduced her to light work with and accounted for her for her asthma. Krause's arguments boil down to her wanting the court to accept her subjective allegations without regard to the evidence to the contrary. And Counselor, this is your a time has expired. Thank you, Your Honors. Yeah, thank you for the argument. Uh, Mr. Barber, Rebuttal. Uh, just, uh, just one point, Judge. Uh, the argument that I didn't get to uh, in the uh, first part of the argument is exactly the one that Judge Erickson brought up with respect to uh, the matter of, of the administrative law judge and then subsequently the magistrate judge not addressing, in fact, the, the matter of the hypothetical that had been posed to the expert, the expert's testimony with respect to that. I think that uh, counsel has referred to uh, Ms. Uh, Krause's allegations. In fact, they, it, what was 
it was, they were not mere allegations. It was testimony that she gave before the administrative law judge that precipitated his question uh, to the vocational expert, uh, and, and it was not dealt with, uh, certainly not adequately, and, and by my reading of the opinion, it was not dealt with at all. So for the, the reasons we've discussed, we're asking that the decisions be reversed and that Ms. Krause be allowed her benefits. Okay, thank you both for your arguments. Case number 19-3337 is submitted for decision by this court.